What's up, listeners? Welcome back to the Cheap Seats. Um, what's up, Bridget? Four minute flash, go. Okay. Um, last weekend, I went to Vegas with my dad, brother, and Oliver, and we saw Notre Dame play BYU, which was so fun. We went to the Legion Stadium, which is like an amazing stadium. The like the top of it's translucent, so the um, light just like comes through, so it like feels like you're outside, but you're inside. So that was sick. And Notre Dame beat BYU. So wasn't that a really close a game? Twenty eight, twenty eight, twenty. Yeah, yeah, it was twenty eight to twenty. So it was a good game. Uh, nice. What did you do? Anything on Sunday? Uh, no, our flight left at like seven a.m. So it was oh, a quick little. So that's why. That's why you're yeah. so chipper on a Monday morning. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. if you stayed in Vegas all weekend, what are we doing podding right now? We were a little tired Saturday morning. That's all I'll say. I bet that's a sweet vibe though. Vegas is fun. Um, yeah. What did I what do? I went to a haunted corn maze in uh, West Jordan on Friday night. It was actually terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> they I had all these like feet. high schoolers dressed up as like <laughs> creepy zombies that would pop out of the corn and scare the shit out of you. It was it was a good time. I haven't been to one of those in a long time. But uh, anyways, we're kind of crunched on time. We got Trevor and Alex from Pacific Call Company are joining us. They're actually friends with Perry Dominey who came on the pod. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, or Trevor is at least. I'm not sure if Alex is, but yeah, so Perry and Jessica, I don't know if you guys remember from season one, we talked real estate um, with them, and it's one of Perry's good friends, but they run a waterfowl calling company. They make calls for ducks and goose and turkeys. So this will be really interesting. I think they just got back from a hunt this weekend. So excited to have them on. Tune in. Whoever speaks first, loses. Sell me this pen. Coffee's for closers only. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circle. Show up and do the work. A, B, C. A, always B, B, C. Closing. Always be closing. Welcome to the Cheap Seats. You're listening to the Cheap Seats Podcast. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to the Cheap Seats, episode six of season two already, Bridget. We are flying. We're cruising. We're cruising. We have two studs from Spokane, Washington on with us today. Uh, We have Trevor Austin and Alex. Is it? I don't want to butcher it. Yurgis? Yurgis. Yurgis. Let's go. I got it right. Uh, But they are both the owners and co-founders of Pacific Call Company or Pacific Calls. We're going to get right into it, guys. Introduce yourselves. Who Who are you in a nutshell? Tell us about your backgrounds, your hometown, where and if you went to college, all that good stuff. We'll start with Trevor. Uh, yeah, I'm born and raised in a, a town called Bothell, so just north of Seattle, and just grew up hunting with my dad. Uh, he was a small-time guide way back in the day, so hunting has always been a part of my life. Um, and I finally got the opportunity to come over to Spokane and uh, join the community college. I played baseball for the falls. Oh, and cool. right frame is when Alex and I were able to to meet and so we started uh Pacific Calls at that time frame but graduated from Spokane Community College um and then went down to WSU to finish up with my natural resource degree and then came back up and 
been doing the the call gig for well we've been doing it for over 12 years now and then i also sell real estate for my other professions so. and that and that a little aside here so that's how you know perry domini that's how we that's got how touch. i know yeah, oh, okay yeah. okay what do you think of perry we like the kid <laughs> uh, you know it's funny my mom and dad have been going to perry's dad's sandwich shop for like 50 years or whatever it is and they always talk about the domini sandwich and then one night, this guy rolls in with a huge, and if you know the Domi place, you get a big bag of popcorn and you get as much meat on a sandwich as you ever wanted. And he rolls in with a bunch of meat and a big bag of popcorn. And I was like, there's only one person from Spokane that would do that. And he, uh, he's like, how do you know my family? <laughs> so been followers of, of the Dominis for a long time. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Alex, you're up. Uh, similar story. Grew up in uh, uh, over in the west side of the state, Parkland. You know, just south of Tacoma. Uh, moved over to Spokane in 2002. Uh, finished high school here at University High School and went to Eastern Washington University. Graduated there with a uh, uh, a business major. Um, worked at the family business for a long time. My uh, old man owned a driving school, and then, like I said, right around that, uh, probably 2000. 10 mark that's when i got introduced to, to trevor and then we founded pacific calls in you know 2011 as far as the official timeline how did you guys meet a mutual friend actually i went to high school with a kid named aaron laplant he was a few years younger than me and he ended up playing on the same community yeah. college baseball team as trevor oh, okay. and i i was you know sports passed me by i needed something to do and so my uh my wife's grandfather owned a place on the Ponderay River, and I kind of got into the waterfowl hunting scene on my own. Um, and after a year or two of, you know, playing around with that and getting fairly proficient at it, I, I saw a Facebook picture of all things of Aaron with a big string of ducks around his neck. And I was like, holy shit, I, like, I know this kid. Let's see what's up. Like, Let's be friends. I love it. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, 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 the way that social media was originally meant to work, I guess, is how it went. But uh, uh, no, it just kind of kind of fell together they had already plans and a few things started as far as having the name pacific calls and doing that and then i kind of showed up with the the know-how to push it a little further and uh yeah we didn't know how to start up an llc and this guy's like i can start a business i was like you're in man we're good to go (laughs) i love it okay so let's actually dive into that we're going to go into the birth of an idea um talk to us kind of about the origin story of pacific call company How'd you guys get started? I, it kind of sounds like you had mutual uh, desire to go out waterfall, waterfowl hunt, and then you knew the LLC, how to set that up. But what was the inspiration behind it? There's a lot of duck calls out there. There's a lot of goose calls out there. How'd you guys differentiate in a saturated market? Like, what, how, did, how did you think this would work? How'd you reach out to customers? Kind of dive into the last 10 years. I mean, all from like the beginnings of it, it was more of just like, for me personally, it was, I always wanted to be in the hunting industry. It, from guiding to making a product to being on a pro staff or what you will. And, uh, when I realized that I wasn't going to grow much taller than what I'm at and, and swing a baseball bat much better than I realized there wasn't much hope for me in the baseball world. So, uh, the hunting thing always was always number one in, in my eyes and, uh, you know, joining up with this, with Aaron, who was a, the, my original friend that I started with, he, uh, you know, his dad was the one that was showing me how we're showing us how to make a call in the backyard. We were just making a mouthpiece. So we were making half of it. It was just, I mean, you take a closet rod and we were hacking that down. And For, creating a duck call. I'm going to, I'm going to pause here for the listeners, paint a picture of what a duck call looks like. A lot of people probably don't know. Um, so what does it take when you say you were just making the mouthpiece? What do you mean by that? So in a duck and a goose call, there's two pieces. You have a barrel. I don't know if anyone's watching the video, but there's a barrel and then there is an exhaust. 
uh, and that usually the exhaust is where your reed will be held in and that's where your music comes from. Uh, so you blow into the mouthpiece and then out comes the sound from the bottom of it. Got it. Okay. Yep. So, uh, we, I mean, just, it, it was bare bones what we were doing. And then that's when, uh, Alex got introduced or that well, I met, I met Alex coming back up from WSU and he was in the shop making duck calls with, uh, with Aaron. Um, and then that's kind of where the, our relation, that's where our relationship started from there. Um, and it wasn't really about, you know, trying to build something for everybody else. It was like, how do we build a call for us? Like what's, what's specific that we like in calls that we want to make better for us. What were some things that you thought were lacking in the calls that you were using prior to making your own? I don't know if it's necessarily a, like a definition of what is lacking or something along those lines. Calls are like anything else. They either fit you or they don't. And so like, sometimes you go, you know, like, I can tell like a pair of shoes, right? You go in and you can have the exact same size Adidas, Nike, Under Armour, line them all up and do it. And one of them may work. One of them may not. And then the other one, you got to modify, you got to put in an insole, you got to do anything else. And calls are very much so that way. As far as you pick it up, you try it out. And if it doesn't necessarily fit how your mouth mechanics worth, you, you know, how you feel it should be working for you, then you start to hunt and look for other things. And so it is definitely the, the ultimate guess and check kind of, uh, kind of industry. Okay. So this is a perfect segue. You were talking about guessing and checking. One of Bridget's questions that she put on here for birth of an idea was talk about your first prototype and how you went to market with that, how that looked and how it's changed since then. Yeah. And so, you know, like Trevor, you had something put together and then Alex, you kind of had like this business plan for it. In, in, in a way, you know, I, I guess that would be the, that would be the best way to, to look at it. Um, you know, when you, when you come up with something and you're, you're, you're just starting out, you're not quite sure what you have. And so, you know, you, you, you want to try to get it in the hands of several people, but then you've got, you know, what is our capital level? How are we going to do this? Where, you know, where are we going to go with it? And I don't think either of us at the beginning necessarily had this aspiration level of like, we're going to create this one call. We're going to make 50,000 of them and we're going to go sell them to everybody out there. Yeah. We were very much so we on one, one <laughs> call at a time. And it just kind of, you know, and they snowballed. were all handmade by everyone the was, you know, was handmade. Oh, so we would have a, a lathe that's like two feet long. Now all of our machinery are 12 feet long and, uh, and it's computerized now. So it's, it's okay. changed. But, so where, where are you manu manufacturing them now? Uh, in-house here in Spokane, Washington. Oh, you are. Wow. Okay. We run a full machinery. Yep. A full yeah. CNC job shop. So we've got, uh, nine different pieces of, uh, CNC equipment, plus all the laser engraving marking. I oh mean, my we gosh. Have, wow. We do all of our own 3d printing. We, we try to keep everything in-house. And so even like down to our apparel, we, we do it all ourselves. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That is so yeah. cool. Are, are they all made out of, are all of your calls made out of wood or no, no. Wood, wood, acrylic, Delrin, um, you know, several different substrates as far as that goes. We can get into, you know, phenolic as far as like, uh, like same thing. They make like Q-sticks out of, yeah. um, there's a lot of different materials and things like that. And those are all, those are all things that we've picked up as we've gone. That's not something that was in the business plan. Like as soon as we got started. So, so at what point did you have to go from like, we're making these in house in hand by like, okay, we need these CNC machines to like really pump these out. At what point did you go full in and get the machines to be like, we're committed to that was a huge investment. I'm sure. Yeah, that was about year. I think it was around year five as far as like really getting in knowing to do it. And, you know, we, we went from, doing everything by hand to hiring a machinist. CNC, you know, machinist job okay. shop, 
parts for us. And then when that grew to a level that it was the same bill as how much a machine yeah, exactly. it, it ends up costing the same amount, then I said, we can do this. And then we bought it, found out that it was a hell of a lot more than what we first anticipated. And so like... <laughs> Yeah, I do remember that getting that machine off the truck and literally looking at Trevor and going, well, where the hell do we plug it in at? And the guy that dropped off was like, oh, you guys are yeah. in for a there's, wild ride. No I mean, there was oh, gosh. way, way different stuff. And so like it, uh, yeah, it, it definitely is one of those things. I'm incredibly proud of what we did, but we definitely jumped in like head first, not feet first. And yeah. <laughs> For a lot of rocks at the bottom of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that kind of that's a good segue into burning the ships. That's our third uh, topic. We talk about how um, these entrepreneurs that come on the show they go all in on themselves. It's either sink or swim, um, and everybody seems to swim, which is what we expect. But did you ever work a salaried, typical nine to five corporate job out of college, or did you get right into Pacific Calls right off the bat? No, uh, I mean for me, I was working landscape irrigation. And then Pacific calls on the side. Alex was doing driver said on the side until we went, you went full time. Not long ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when, when we were building Pacific and doing everything, we were both working full time jobs on top of doing Pacific, you know, full time. By that point, I had my, my second child. We had just moved into our first commercial space. You had the machine payments. I mean, there was, there was a lot that had to be done on on both ends of the candle no matter what you did we weren't making any money for ourselves off of pacific at that point everything we were doing to support ourselves was our normal nine to five jobs so like i mean there were there were a lot of 90 to 100 hour work weeks of like it's it's gotta happen so like yeah. let's stay after it the grind is real the yep. grind is real especially when you're building something you're so passionate about can we dive into that what makes you guys so passionate about pacific calls your business I mean, I, I think both of us grew up in environments where you know, like we had, we had parents that were both, you know, entrepreneurs, they ran their own business. And so like the, the level of wanting to be your own boss and not necessarily having to, I don't know, you know, bow down or answer anything. I, I like, I'm not a huge like corporate guy. I like being able to wear whatever the hell I want to work and doing, you know, anything along those lines. So it, it just, it just fits me and my, like, I guess I'll, I'm not type A at all, but like, I definitely don't have a like switch to turn it off. And so owning my own business just allows me to do what I would be doing or wanting to be doing the entire time and, you know, trying to get paid for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Trevor, what about you? Yeah. I mean, it, it falls in the same category as that. I watched my parents run their own business for all these years. Hunting was a huge aspect of my life with my dad. Every single weekend, we would cruise over to Eastern Washington and hunt. And that was from the day I was born. I mean, in the fall of the year I was born till I graduated high school. So that was just so embedded in me to, to be a part of hunting was, was a goal of my, uh, for my entire life. So watching my parents run their own business, having hunting, uh, just be my, my life that just kind of made sense. Like I needed to do something in this, in this realm to be, you know, to feel good about where I'm at in life. I love it. Combining so, your passions with business is probably the best combination on the planet. Uh, if you don't, if you don't have to show up for work every day and you do what you, you know, what you're loving, then it, it doesn't feel like work all the time. Exactly. Um, okay. The next, the next topic is the mission. So, uh, this can go in a lot of different directions, but what drives you guys, what's next for Pacific calls? Like I said, there's a ton of hunting calls out there. So what differentiates your products in a very competitive market? So just talk about Pacific Calls is going and where you see it, you know, in the next year, two years, five years, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, for us, as far as the dating factor, we, we a hundred percent, you know, get, as you get into the industry, 
but you start to learn what other people are doing, where things are at. And there are very few call companies out there that can say that they do everything a hundred percent in-house. You know, there, there's a lot of guys that do own very successful businesses that are, you know, built upon having somebody else manufacture, do this, do that. And we do a lot of that for other call companies, you know, as well, but for us specifically in separating ourselves, the hundred percent in-house, the ability to, you know, literally take a napkin sketch, put it into a CAD CAM program, spit out 3d printed, you know, prototypes, take that to a manufacturing level, build our own molds, do anything along those lines really separates our ability to take a concept and turn it into an idea instead of just recycling something that somebody did previously and modifying. How do you guys reach out to new customers? How did you build your base? Is it all, was it all just word of mouth at first? Did you emphasize social media? Did you emphasize your YouTube channel? Like, what did that look like? The first calls that we were selling were literally to my dad's friends and the people that knew us here locally. And I mean, they were ugly as hell. So they were being nice buying the product from us handmade. Uh, You know, honestly, it was just a lot of good friends that we had going through college, high school, what you will. But uh, it was, you know, it was basically who we knew. And then growth from having uh, these friends reaching out to other friends and kind of just hitting the ground that way. Social media came in. You know, we hit the Facebook page, um, Instagram didn't come until way later in our lives, but I would say it's just kind of word of mouth, getting out there and seeing more people. We do a lot of expos. And so that allows us to touch, you know, to touch a lot of people and and see them and, and build that relationship. We've always been good about building relationships, holding that relationships and just being that as number one, because when you call the shop, you know, you call my cell phone, you would call Alex's phone. You don't call Betty sitting at the desk that she doesn't, you know, she's not part of the call making. So we've always wanted to have that one-on-one relationship with our customer base. I love it. So when people order like a call, are they ordering like just one? Can they order just one from like your, your website or is it, are they, are these bulk orders? Uh, A little bit of both. So we do have, we supply like sports where it outdoors, you know, a a couple pop shops. And so they have more of that, you know, like retail slash bulk order idea, but we're very, very much so a, a D to C structure. And so we have, right. you know, full, the full Shopify website online, you know, uh, shopping experience. And so we spend a lot of time diving into flows on the website, you know, how, how does the checkouts, you know, like seam up and, you okay. know, for someone to buy a fall. Right. And trying to make okay, that. So you are selling them to, you're selling them wholesale as well to like, oh. Okay. Awesome. And okay. And then people will, can also go to your website. This is a really naive question for somebody that knows nothing about the industry. Uh, she grew up I've in Montana, about, but she doesn't know anything about hunting. I'm a vegetarian, but my parents and everyone are big hunters. So this is a naive question. How does your product differ from the very famous duck dynasty product? Do you know, do you know anything about like what they sell? I mean, you know, yeah. maybe a little as far as like function and idea behind it, nothing really. Right. It is, it is yeah, still okay. a, it's a, like a guitar. It, all, exactly. They're, they're all kind of used for the same idea, but like what differentiates it is indeed the manufacturing process and things along those lines. If you were okay. to go to duck dynasty specifically, as opposed to like duck commander stuff, I, you know, most of their stuff is made overseas and then brought over here and okay. they assemble. So somebody might buy your product if they care that it's manufacturer manufactured locally and it has like they know if something's wrong they go straight to the straight to the guys who made the call and they can get the problem fixed or whatever. Correct. Yeah. And I I don't like I mentioned I don't think that's anything that we'll ever you know get rid of as far as that goes. You want to try to be as as possible, but yeah, I mean you know that comes with growing pains. I don't necessarily want to be on you know on the phone on a Sunday all day long talking to 
on a spec call or you know, something along those that. lines. It, <laughs> it just kind of, you know, you, you got to find that that powder as far as that goes. But trying to be accessible and open and just very, I guess, candid with your customers about what they're getting, how they're getting it, and, you know, who they're getting it from, it's, it seems to work. That very organic level of, like, this is the guys that you're getting stuff okay. from. I love it. So you guys are actively... From from what you said about not wanting to work the phones all the time, you're actively scaling. Like, you, are you guys want to go nationwide if you're not already nationwide, and you want to be like yep. a top top call producer in the in the country? Yep. No, I'd say we're working hard at getting there. I yeah. love it. I absolutely love it. Um, one thing that I want to touch on is your guys's partnership. How do you manage that relationship in a way that aligns with both your visions and your aspirations? Do you guys butt heads a lot? I know. I know partnerships. They're really good at the very beginning, but then, you know, as the, as the business, as, as the business expands and grows, it's like, there are growing pains and there's, I mean, you guys have had to have run-ins with each other. So talk about like how you manage that and how you basically mitigate any problems. There's a ring in the backyard. We get in and we fight it. Yeah, exactly. We just <laughs> get dual or whatever. No, I mean, really it's a, you know, it's a communication level as far as that goes, a clear delineation and respect for each other as far as like, if it's about a certain thing, I can see that Trevor's way better at knowing what we need to do there and how we need to do it and listening to his opinion. And he listens to mine. If it's something else that I'm better at, then you, you know, we go the opposite way. If it comes down to like dollars or anything like that, we meet about it, we talk about it. And we, we spend a lot of time justifying purchases and decisions off each other back and forth and try to get as much good brainstorming and ideas around it as we possibly can. Um, but there's also not a lot of I guess, second guessing or, or bickering, you know, we, we were friends hundred yeah. percent. It was definitely business first. And then the friendship grew. So we've always had that ability to be like, all right, we're having a business discussion right now. Let's take all of the emotion out of it. And like, what the makes sense. are we doing? <laughs> yeah. It's nice that you guys have like identified, like, these are your strengths. These are my strengths. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think uh, a lot of times the partnerships yeah. where they are similar. Setting clear boundaries and expectations, it definitely helps in partnerships because if you don't, if the lack of communication leads to resentment or whatever, and then, you know, you start having a cancer in your business and that's not good. He's, he's not wrong. We do. We spend a lot of time on the phone going over stuff and doing thing. And I mean, like I said, we've, we've grown at a very large rate. So, I mean, some of this stuff is also new for us to figure it out. I mean, if you would have asked us where we thought we were going to be when we first got started, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that we'd have, you know, damn near 10 employees and building a, you know, our own facility and, you know, doing all this stuff. It was like, shit, man, we got to kind of learn as we go. And then, and that comes with a willingness to not only like concede, but also like, Hey, we, we we effed up. We got to start over. You got to be willing to fail at it and then be able to look at it and learn from it. And I would say that's probably where me and him do a good job on that. I'm definitely like, we got to do it now. We got to move. We got to do this. We got to do that. He's like, Whoa, Whoa, let's, let's talk about it's a it's a business it's a business marriage that's exactly what it is oh yeah Yeah. and congrats on 10 plus years all right Uh successes let's obviously you've had a ton of wins i think it's important for people to brag about themselves it allows other people to realize hey these two normal guys if they can grow it i can grow it let's talk about three things that you could hang your hats on that you're super proud of in the last decade i'd say our wives (laughs) they're very nice Yes. They're very yes. nice for letting us do what we because <laughs> we have not been home as much as we should be. So, 
no, no, no. Um, I, I mean, if I were to chalk it up, it would, you know, it would be patience as far as being able to do all this stuff. Cause I mean, this has been a very, very long road and like all of our major wins that you would think of in the quintessential term of like, you're getting paid to do what you want to do. You're growing the business, you're gaining followers, you're doing all this. I mean, that's really been in the last like four years out of 10. So if you spend 60% of your time, just literally building everything. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's going to take a while to get there. Okay. On the flip side, failures. Uh, do your homework yeah. on, a, on a lot of stuff. And not only like do your homework as far as like I typed it into Google and here's what Google said, but really reach out to people. Reach out to people, you know, go. go Give go us an example. Places. Give us an example. Uh, I went to a, uh, I actually, it's a true story. I snuck into the community college for over two weeks to try to learn to be a machinist without actually enrolling into community college was able to talk to one of the professors there, learn a few things, reached out to our old machinist. He was able to show us a few things, but like the network, as far as the people that are around you and in your community, it's definitely something that you want to, you know, reach out and explore, talk to people that have real world, you know, firsthand experience with what you're trying to do um, and, and try to mitigate as many pitfalls as you can. And also just don't, don't overreach, I guess is probably one of the, one of the big ones, you know, cause I mean, there were several times where, when we bought the new machinery or anything else, yeah, we went to the hole. I think, you know, one year there was a $17,000 loss between both of us, almost 34 K that we dumped into the business. And if you, if we would have cut ties with our previous, you know, employers or like, you know, F this, I'm doing specific calls and I'll see you later and jump too early. That would have been the end of the business at that point. Right. So like, hedge your bets. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Uh, Trevor, you want to add anything? There hasn't been like, honestly, the negatives are negatives. Like you're always going to have that in business, but I can't say we've had negatives. We're like, you know what? F this I'm done. Um, yeah. Arguments with, uh, with their better halves on, you know, not being home. But I mean, honestly, it's been, it's been an enjoyable ride and I can't say that there's been so many negatives that they just sticking out of my head. I, I mean, it. you're going to have your, no matter what in business, you just got to learn how to get back up. Okay, guys about to wrap this up. But before we do final thoughts, I want you guys to get on your soapboxes and give, a gold nugget of advice to the listeners. So this is your opportunity to give them something that they can implement today and use for days and weeks and years to come. Uh, it's, you know, you can call it cliche if you want to, but uh, A, don't be, don't be afraid to fail. Uh, two, don't be afraid to ask questions. And three, uh, bet on yourself. Yourself, that's for sure. Because no one else is going to get it done better than you, unfortunately. And uh, you can't rely on other folks to get it done. It's, it's got to be on your plate. All right. The last thing before we do our outro is a would you rather? Do you have one, Bridget? I have one ready. Okay. Okay. So you guys both have to answer. Um, so keep your answers in your head before listening to your partners. Would you rather produce the calls overseas and gain 40 to 50% margin, more margin per call, or keep it in-house and keep chugging away at what you're at? Oh, I, I, I'll easily answer yeah. that one. That's yeah. that, that's staying here. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you, pride. You would never be able to convince me to do that. I've got uh, I got way too much pride in that. You know, we we employ people here. We you know we we provide to do that. And we're uh, and on the negative side of it, I'm too much of a control freak to trust anybody else. <laughs> but I would go hell. I can't even let my other machinist be machinist. I've got to go over there. Like okay. <laughs> Okay, guys, Trevor and Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Before we part ways, where can listeners find you if, A, they want to buy your products, if they want to sell your products, or uh, 
if they want to just go have a beer with you, where can they find you guys? Uh, we're based out of Spokane Valley here. Uh, if anyone's from Spokane, off Argon near the Coca Cola plant, moving out to Post Falls in a couple of months, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, but, you know, our website, PacificCustomCalls.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, I don't know. Do we have our personal accounts, Trevor uh, and Alex? Yep. Um, but other than that, yeah. We're pretty easy to find. Yep. I love it. We're pretty easy to get beers with. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Now we're talking. Thanks, all right, fellas. Thanks so much for coming on. We'll chat with you later. Good luck. I appreciate it. See ya. That is a wrap from the cheap seats. Check back in next week. Remember, share this with somebody that needs to hear it. And hey, we'll see you at the top. <laughs>